Good morning. Hi, Rob. <laughs> Hello. This is episode whatever of whoever. the ADR podcast. Yes. Um, what's today? It is uh, April 18th, 2019, the year of the Lord. Um, <laughs> Was that a... You're looking at your watch there. Was that like some World War II heirloom or something like that? Well, like this that? watch that I'm wearing is a Sicolia P47 Thunderbolt. So it's a Swiss-made pilot watch. Um, it was designed by a Georgian uh, artist who, for some reason, had some sort of appreciation for P-47 <laughs> Thunderbolt. Jesus. P-47 Thunderbolt planes from World War II. So it's a chronograph. and the Whatever uh, that means. It's it like means a that you can, records? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish. No, it's got th- it's got multiple dials on it. You can, uh, you know, like a stopwatch kind of function. Uh, you can, you know, record up to about a half hour of time on it. Uh, nice. But the dials on it are based off of they're like a replica of the the dials in the cockpit of the plane. So that's um, pretty cool. So it's pretty important to have if you're deciding to fly a plane. Well, yeah. actually, would you say that you could probably fly a plane now because of the dials in that watch? No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, maybe this this watch would have been useful if I was uh, flying a plane seventy years ago. But I'm just saying because there's a shortage of planes right now, or flight uh, pilots. Right well, now. it's the same thing. So a pilot watch is the same thing as a diver watch. It's you know a lot of watches are and the are, same thing as a MacGyver watch. Sure, are, are <laughs> desirable because of their function. Yes. However, it, they're sort of like antiquated technology, like a. You know, you're going to have a mechanical or, or a digital readout of your oxygen tanks if you're diving. You really don't need a watch. Um, you know, same thing with flying a plane. I mean, the amount of technology that they have in the co- uh, cockpits of planes, you really ha- have no need for a watch. You're well versed in diving. Have you have you dived divin before? Have I have I divin? <laughs> I have not divved. Um, I've snorkeled though. <laughs> Snorkel. That's like the, the weird like J looking thing. Like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big J that sticks out of the water. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, you put the the base in your mouth. <laughs> and, uh, Calm down. And uh, no, we uh, about ten or so years ago, um, was in the U.S. Virgin Islands, British Virgin Islands. We did a little snorkeling. It's cool. Did you guys use like the, those underwater walkie talkies too? You remember those when you were a kid in the pool? No. You ever have that underwater walkie talkie? No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, it has like little lips in it, and like you would talk into it, be like, "That's all you would hear." Oh well, I mean, if you make noises into the the breathing apparatus for the snorkel, it'll come out the other end. That's another fancy <laughs> word, breathing apparatus. You sure you haven't been diving <laughs> before? No, I have not divin in a prof- in a professional <laughs> fashion. Um, so look, we're here today to. Jeez, uh, <laughs> you getting ready? You're getting ready for next Saturday, huh? What's next Saturday? Passover. I don't, your wedding. Passover's this week. Yeah. It is. <laughs> no, and actually, uh, tomorrow, celebrating Passover at my sister's house. Uh, ah, good chance. Her boyfriend is Jewish. So, um, sure. To him, uh, no shellfish. Right? No. No pork? No, he likes pork. I would assume. I don't know. I don't know. No idea. We, we should have, uh, like, our. We know. Yeah, we should have, like, a Jewish correspondent or something. To school us in the correct what happens and all that stuff. Because yeah. really on Easter, sorry, really on like on Catholic Easter or whatever, as opposed to other <laughs> Easter's. <laughs> well, dude, next next Sunday is Orthodox Easter though, 
So no idea what that means. Neither do I. I'm so. terrible. I, I went to, uh, you know, Sunday school, all that stuff. I, I know nothing. Uh, I'm not a religious person, but yeah. So we're going to Passover tomorrow at my sister's house. Uh, that's fun. there for the, for the liver beef liver. Is, is it being the, what? No, not soupy. It's a liver pate. It's like uh, you can get it from a deli in like a little thing, like a plastic container, like you'd get macaroni salad in or something. You know, a little, little has liver mayo pate. On it, so I don't touch it. Yeah, the macaroni salad. You mean something like, yeah, like the. Yeah, you put it on crackers. Looks, it's and, almost like a Chinese food container. Yeah, sure. Like the wonton soup container kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to get it on my level. Like things I understand. Like macaroni salad, mayo. Bleh. So I don't mess well, with We don't mayo. need to get into your, your food preferences because. You're weird. Listen, <laughs> um, but no, we are we are gathered here today. <laughs> to, <laughs> yes, I am getting married next week, so we'll talk about that some other time. Um, does she know? Does Jamie know that you're getting married? Yeah, I think so. Gotcha. I think so. We'll see if she shows up. Um, That's like that movie. What? It's Matthew Broderick. No, Godzilla, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about it. I love that movie. Love God. that movie. Bayonne was in that movie in Jersey City. It's a lot. Uh, Swim fan was in Bayonne. Swim fan. Swim fan. Yeah. All I know is the music video for uh, Burner Burn. No, that's that's Weezer's <laughs> sweater song. Uh, War of the Worlds is in Bayonne. Of course, that's right by uh, yeah, right by uh, the bridge, right by the bridge, baby. Uh, no, um, that song, cake, cake, cake. Yeah, it's like a real sad song. Uh, <laughs> then it probably wouldn't be called cake. No, it's uh, <laughs> damn it, I can't think. I'll think about it. <laughs> he bring busts out the Google machine. So, I mean, talking about the Red Bulls, there's a lot going on. Uh, let's go in order. So, I mean, the season hasn't been going too well so far. So, I, I had uh, thought it was a safe assumption that they were going to get destroyed in um, Kansas. in Kansas City this past weekend. Yeah. Kansas City, Kansas. You know, or good Missouri. No, Kansas City is in Missouri, but this was in the Kansas City that's in Kansas. It's, uh, you know, two different states farther away from downtown than Red Bull Arena is from the Freedom Tower. I promise you that. Yeah, and according to Steve, they were chanting, go back to New Jersey, which well, is kind of weird. Why is it weird? Because where do you chant for them? Do they live in Missouri? Do they live in Kansas? Do they live in Missouri? Do they live in Kansas? Go back to your trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, go back to Missouri. Go back to Kansas. We're still in, still in Kansas City, but Kansas City, Kansas. Right across the street from the International Speedway. So anyway, um, yeah. the Red Bulls surprised me very much. Um and, I mean, they came away with a 2-2 draw. They could have won that game. They had a 2-1 lead late in the match. Uh, and, and you know what? Without considering any of the context or anything that, that occurred, yeah. getting a point out of Kansas City uh, with the season that we're having so far is a positive. Yeah. Any way you shake it. So, that's great. But then there was this whole thing where Kaku tried to kill a guy. Yes. And and let's be clear. I mean, he was frustrated. His intention was to kick the ball into the sideboards. Um, I don't know how anybody could argue that. I mean, unless you're just a stone-cold psychopath. Like, you're not going to kick a 100-mile-an-hour line drive at somebody's head. I mean, so he missed, and he hit the guy in the first row. Well, the thing I said to you on Saturday or Sunday, whenever that was, is that... <clears throat> um, 
you know, especially there in that stadium where the fans are notoriously closer to the field than they are at any other. Yeah, most other places, so. yeah. Maybe Houston's another close one, but so that's um, you know even more dangerous, essentially. Yeah, true. Because if he does that at Red Bull Arena, he's got a couple of uh, he's going to hit the concrete. Hits yeah, the concrete. you got you got the video boards, you got the concrete. Um, Actually, dude, think think of Red Bull Arena. Don't they have the director's chairs around the pitch there? Yeah, yeah, for whoever's shooting a movie. Um, <laughs> no, like those fancy I know, chairs, they're the they field seats, the field seats. Um, dude, he that person probably would have died that close. I'm, listen, if he, he was out of bounds, if he hit a kid head on, that would have been a disaster. So, I mean, he hit a uh, look like a middle aged gentleman. Um, yes. And the interesting thing is the um, disciplinary report came out this week and he wasn't on it. Really? Yeah. So it, it is assumed that they're taking a, a longer look at this because he's already suspended for this weekend's match at New England with the red card. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe, maybe that's why? Yeah, maybe they figure they have some more time to review this incident. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, I, I, I think he deserves about a three-game suspension for it. Yeah. So And maybe it'll give him a chance to get away from the team. And um, Yeah, well, he really wants to get away from the team. I know. He wants to be in Club America. Maybe, or just somewhere else. I honestly just don't expect him to be here the, the entire season. It's just... That being said, all right, so let me walk that back a little bit. Walk Before that happened, he was actually having a pretty good game. Uh, some great yeah. passes. He had an amazing assist on the, on the second goal, on Brian White's goal. So that's great to see. It's just such a shame that we've been waiting for him to play like that, and then he ends the game with that, that disaster, which was just a... It was a boneheaded move. I mean, there's... No way else to put it. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure a couple of sporting Kansas City fans, I think, were looking through the rules to see if they could, like, get him arrested for assault or something. Jesus. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember, this was maybe 10 years ago or something when Zdeno Chara, uh, was it Max Pacioretty? Yeah, pushed him to the stanchion. Yeah, and, and the uh, Canadians fans in Montreal were calling the cops on him. So it was similar. Well, they that changed how they lined the... Uh, line the benches though. Yeah, because now the the piece of glass at the end of the bench is curved. Yeah. Um, but that's how angry KC fans were. But yeah. it was a stupid thing, and now he's going to have to sit for a couple weeks. And I mean, listen, if he gets suspended for five matches, let's say, that brings him to the end of May, going into June, and then after that, he's out on international duty. So, I mean, if they come down hard on him and give him a, a decent-sized suspension, I mean, we might not see him again. Yeah, yeah. But it, like you said every time, though, it's hard for him to get, uh, you know, every time he doesn't play or doesn't play well, it hurts his uh, sale or whatever. Yeah, so, so, I mean, if he's doing this with the intention of leaving in the summer transfer window, he's not doing himself any favors, and he's not showing another team, like, here's why you need to come spend a lot of money on me. Um. So, speaking of the summer... Um, Ooh, nice segue. Well, yeah. Well, we're still with the Red Bulls. Uh, there have been some interesting rumors about a managerial change. Yeah. With uh, So, Jesse Marsh is going to Salzburg. He is. Rumor is that he wants to call up uh, Chris Armas and bring him along for the ride. I actually did not know that was part of that. Yeah, I had just seen that. So, that... Yeah, but is this, does Chris Armas know... Uh, German? Austrian? 
What language are they speaking? Like, uh, somebody will, will tell me I'm an idiot, but I, I think it's a it's a dialect of German. So, because I thought that was the whole big reason with Jesse's, like he took all like the coaching classes and then he learned German or something like that to even think of going over there. Yeah, but if I mean Chris Armas can go speak English with him because yeah, Jesse Marsh is a an and that's also assuming seller. that all, majority of their players speak that same language. Yeah, it's not like the entire team's Austrian. I mean, <laughs> be interesting. Uh, the common language in most locker rooms is English. Um. You know, I, I think. Well, actually, save this thought. Let's just tangent for one second. So think of the four major leagues. Would you think Spanish? Maybe England, one? Spain, Germany, Italy. Uh, oh, I forgot about Italy. Well, it, Syria is kind of a joke right now. Um, yeah, but I feel like, like Juve has a lot of Italians on the team, though. They don't. They, they don't anymore. They used to. I mean, when, when uh, Juventus Stadium opened... Um, couple years ago they had a deep enough squad where antonio conti was able to start a starting 11 of entirely italian players hmm. um it's a lot of ziti sure it's a lot of big ziti but but right now their starting lineup is a polish goalie um brazilian and portuguese left back right back um they do have two italian three italian center backs but Emre Chan is German. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miralem Pjanic is Bosnian. Uh, Matuidi is French. Huh. Um, Bernadeschi is Italian. Costa is is Brazilian. So Ronaldo maybe is, is Portuguese. Dybala is Argentinian. Because so, you think about it, majority of them probably have English as their second language. So. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Max Allegri conducts his training and everything in, in, in Italian. Mm. Uh, press conferences, everything's in Italian. But I, I would have to think that in the locker room there's a lot of english going on so i i think chris armis would be okay going over there but that's besides the point i mean the big thing is who's rumored to come take the job in in harrison and that is our old friend Thierry Thierry who did not have a good time in his in his coaching gig in monaco um things are being said about him that he was very aggressive and not easy to deal with and um so but what do you do you want him here? That's the question. I mean, I want him here for this for the strict business of the club. You know, I think that's. Um, you know, I think people then maybe you get like two thousand people that would come, just to sh- like just to show up to watch him essentially. Maybe um, uh, some arguments are being made on Twitter that attendance wasn't that much better when he was here playing. Yeah, but I mean, they give him it gives him something to market. It gives the Red Bull something to market. Yeah, we know how and, good they are at marketing. I, th- I mean, I think the way they market now is completely different. And he has not saying Chris Armish or Jesse didn't have a friendly face or whatever, but, um, you know, him going on. I could see him on whether it's 98.7 or WFN, like in the studio. I think he has that type of personality. Um, and uh, I think it's, yeah, I mean, but again, um, you know, were there players on um, on um, Monaco? What is it? <laughs> Monaco. I'm thinking of Morocco. <laughs> a little chap tied down deck chairs or something. Um, you know, were there a lot of like young players in that team, or were they filled with, you know, you know, good I don't players. know the answer to that question. I'm just saying. So, where on this team, it's pretty much all almost all young people that would look up to him. 
maybe he'll get a different rise and maybe he doesn't have to be so assertive and all that stuff. I would like to think that he learned his lesson. He had a quick uh, crash course in, in managing in, in Monaco. Um, and I, I think I'd take him here because he knows the organization. He knows the area. He lives okay. here for Better question. Okay. Ready for this. Would you rather have Chris Armas stay with Chris Armas and really not know where their season's going to go? So it could you could lose in Red Bull fa- in Metro fashion or not. Or would you rather Henri where you're probably it's probably going to be growing pains and we're going to stay out of playoff contention. But he grows as a coach potentially. I don't know. I don't know because managers, players, no one's in MLS for the long term. If if Thierry Henry takes a job here, it's to get managerial experience and to get noticed by Europe, European clubs. Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira, same thing. So even even guys that are playing, like no one is in MLS with the intention of staying in MLS for their entire career. So yeah, when you're talking growing pains, I know you and I are so much better well uh, better versed in hockey. So you know you could Maybe talk. You. Well, you could talk rebuild and. And you're sure that the players are going to be there in a couple of years and that the coach and the management's going to be there in a couple of years. Yeah. doesn't have the, the kind of turnover that soccer does, probably because the NHL is the best league in the world. So if we're talking yeah. about the Swedish Elite League or, or the, uh, you know, the KH. German League yeah. or, yeah. yeah, even the KHL. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's blasting some, some beats outside. Um, you know, there's a step up from there. So... I mean, you, so you talk about no one's in it for, for the long haul. I always thought the same thing with uh, the coach of who used to coach Portland, Caleb Porter. Yeah. I used to like, I always thought, I mean, he was a good coach, and I always thought he was going to be picked to kind of go on beyond of, you know, well past beyond of uh, MLS, but, you know, he's back in the league. So. Yeah. Um,. What am I trying to do here? I'm trying to do too many things at once. I don't know. I, I would like it if he was here because, honestly, I'm just ready for a change uh, because things aren't working right now. And it did not start at the start of this season. It started when Jesse Marsh left. And I don't care if someone doesn't agree with me. This is really my opinion that things went downhill when – Jesse Marsh left. The team was scoring way less goals. They were not winning games in convincing fashion like they had been. Um, and now it just got worse going into the season. The offense has dried up. Uh, they have, yeah. what, eight goals in, I don't know, what is it, seven games, six games? So, or, or nine goals, something like that. And yeah. four of them came in a game against San Jose. So, and they're losing games at home, and, and just things are not going well right now. So, Yes, and I've told many other people this. We were one in six a couple of years ago, and then won the East. But yeah. Yeah. Atlanta's going to get better. NYCFC is going to get better. Um, I think teams like Montreal Impact are going to surprise people this year. Uh, DC is very good. So, especially at home. Yeah. So Ridiculous. the East is not sitting around waiting for the Red Bulls to get their shit together. Um. So, I mean. Things have to change. And with a huge managerial change and a philosophy change, that might mean you have to sacrifice this season. But the management still has work to do bringing in players. Um, I mean, there's one spot that I think above all 
Connor Laid. Oh, uh, you're going to call him out by name, you savage. Connor Laid. It is like second. It's like secondhand embarrassment. So he is a, a very, a very great person and a good father. And very. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> no, I'm sure he is. Very, like, very. Uh, I've had loyal. several, several occasions where I've gotten to have a conversation yes. with him. He and his wife are great people. So, and I say all that, and he will do probably anything that Papa asks for or Mark yeah. asks for, but. It is just secondhand embarrassment, N- knowing now I cannot do what he does anyway. But just other teams just target him. Yeah, he was target. getting torched by Santos. He was getting torched by by Kansas City. Got here's, torched by San Jose. So. San Jose in the first half. So he, here's the thing, though. He's a good guy to have on this team because you know if it's a you know a game in May against a, a bad team or something, and you have some injuries, there's nothing wrong with having Connor laid on the field. But when you get to the point where you go to the playoffs and Kamar Lawrence is injured or CONCACAF Champions League and Kamar Lawrence is injured or Maria's not playing well or something, putting in Connor Laid is not good enough. And it hasn't been. So that was like the biggest area because Kamar's had injuries. And, and I've always thought that Mario is one foot out the door to Germany. Yeah. Uh, he's had German scouts looking at him, probably other places too. So I was very surprised that the only – thing they did to bolster the back line over the summer over the winter was to sign Amro Tarek who looked good uh, at center back but that does not help left back and right no. back Kyle Duncan looks great he's got a lot of offensive potential he has to work on his defensive side of the game he also has a little Verona in him where he just likes to run around oh he's fast as hell <laughs> problem with that is if you get into the playoffs in a two-game series, well, no, there's no more two-game series, yeah. right? With Atlanta or D.C. or, or Cincinnati. Well, so I don't know how they're going to be, but... Um, playing at their place. Oh, that's true, yeah. I mean, playing at their place. Now, if the Red Bulls don't rebound... So, <laughs> let me finish this thought, because then I have a very ridiculous thing to say. Um, I'm not confident going with rookies and guys that have zero playoff game experience going into these big games. So Christian Caceres Jr. has a bright future ahead of him, and so does Kyle Duncan. Maybe Matias Jorgensen does too, but get, we get into the playoffs, and, and these guys are on the pitch. I'm not confident. They don't have the experience. Yeah. So the ridiculous thing I was going to say was how royally effed up would it be that you look at the playoffs – and the Red Bulls win at home, always. Even last year, they beat Atlanta one nothing at home. So they changed the playoff format, and we're like, oh, well, now we're going to win because it's all home games. So how about now they have a poor start to the season, and then they go into the playoffs without home field advantage and don't get a home game? I could – that's that's happening. Yeah, that is exactly what's going to happen. It, it's <laughs> – my God. Supporting this team is tough sometimes. <laughs> um Look, they have they have New England away. So if it's just Red Bulls versus New England this weekend, Red Bulls are a better team, I think. But now we go to a place on turf that has not been kind to the Red Bulls. So I honestly have no prediction and no inclination of how this game could go. Yeah, I mean, I could see it 3 nothing either way. Yeah, I could be surprised. I could. We're not going to have Kaku, so are they going to put Royer in the middle again? Or, um, like I, they did I with, think they're going to they're gonna move around. You know, pl- people playing not their natural position. So maybe go with a four four two and I, have. I can uh, see Razi Ghoul in. 
<laughs> Shikovsky. Yeah. Uh, or go with the four four two, and then we'll give Brian White some more time. I have to say, had a heck of a goal. Pretty so, nice. so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So let's get past that. Uh, that's it for the Red Bulls geese. Um, there's nothing to talk about in Devil Land until the draft. No, right now it's we're talking, you know, either Kaku, I mean Kaka. You okay over there? Kaiko? Oh, Capo Kako or Jack Hughes. I I think the Devils are going to draft Jack Hughes because Ray Shiro was his father's agent. Oh. And uh, Hughes skates with Taylor Hall in the offseason. And if you're given a choice to start a franchise or to bolster a franchise with a center or a winger, I think you go center every time. Um the playoffs have been crazy. The Toronto-Boston series has been awesome. I think Boston's going to take care of that. I think Boston is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I, I mean, I said San, I said I, I put a $5 bet on San Jose. But and that's, Vegas is making them look stupid. Yeah, Well, you know who's not helping is what's his name? Freaking the guy from Ottawa. Carlson. Yeah, Eric Carlson. he's terrible. Yeah, well, he's been hurt. He, he missed, like, the entire last half of the, not last half, but last grouping of games in the season because he was hurt. Yeah. Um, you know what we got to talk about, though? What do we So this is a rehash from last year when we talked to Pardeep Khatri on the on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys talked a lot about the movie Skyscraper. Yes. <clears throat> I, watched, I watched Skyscraper. Um, Hope you didn't pay for it. No, it's on HBO Go. So, nice. I mean, indirectly, I did pay for it, but not for that, you know. What are you dropping? What I just dropped the water bottle. What are you doing over there? Um, what is he doing there? <laughs> Meatloaf. So this is a terrible movie, and we need to talk about it. And we're going to dedicate a couple minutes to talking about it. Okay. So the first fight scene in the movie. That is when The Rock comes into the to showcase the, the security being t- bad. Is that like during his presentation or no? No. So it starts off with. Uh, like he's whole, in a penthouse. The whole thing is just so stupid. He's in a penthouse suite. It gets there. So the first thing was when they did the flashback to how he lost half of his leg. Okay. Which ended up not meaning anything. Okay. Correct. It was just to set up the fact that we need to know why The Rock is going to have a, a half a leg for this whole movie. Yes. So um, it, it's in an explosion or whatever. So, no, the first fight scene was when he gets, gets back to the apartment or the hotel room and his partner, he finds out his partner was working with the bad guys. That's right. And, and he wants the yeah, tablet. Yeah, he gets sold out. Yeah, when he gets the tablet. That's <laughs> after the meeting in the penthouse. Yeah, so there's a big fight scene, and the guy pops The Rock's leg off. So yeah. The Rock is hobbling around on one leg in this apartment in this big fight scene. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, why is this happening? Like, uh, it, it's <sighs> almost like The Rock is built up as some sort of, like, superhuman, like a fuck, like a friggin' god. So they, they're like, how can we make The Rock look vulnerable? I know. Let's take one. What of about legs. when he jumps into the building or jumps out oh, of that's, the building? That's later on. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so they have a fight scene like, I mean, all you got to do is kick the leg out from under him and then shoot him and he's <laughs> dead. But, like, you're not going to kill the rock in this movie. So, uh, that bothers Do you think me. it's in his contract? What? Like, it's like similar like a wrestling contract where, like, you have to win a certain amount of championships. Like the rock's not going to die in a yeah, movie. Yeah, the rock, like, he will not die or, some, or he will not be portrayed, like, negatively. I think so. I mean, every movie he's in, he's just a big superhero, dude. Uh, His wife in that movie, is that the girl Nev from Freaks Campbell. and Geek? Oh, it's Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, who's another person. talking point. This it's terrible. 
I, I don't think she's a bad actor. The, the issue is the way she acted in this movie was not like someone who was in a burning building with her and her child's children's lives in danger. Uh-huh. Like she was just cool the whole time. It made zero sense. And, and the rock is like repelling off of the tallest skyscraper in the world with a one and a half legs. Um, and then the thing like pops out and he has to like climb up the building without the leg. Yeah. You know, it's just <laughs> the whole thing with the leg <laughs> like ruined any chance of this being a great action movie because it was almost like a sideshow. And like, why are the Chinese police so bad at taking down someone that has half a leg? Let me ask you that question. <laughs> I don't know. Because like they cornered him five times and they won't shoot him. But then he starts to run away and then they start shooting at him. And of course, they can't hit him. Is this a WWE production? No, I don't think no? so. I don't wow. think any of his movies are anymore. Wow. Uh, he's, it seems like it. And he's one of the top grossing. Yeah, it seems like the Marine 7. And cons- considering this movie is a loose, loose, loose um, similarity to Die Hard, right? Is Very some like, you know, there's a tower. Die Hard's that famous Christmas movie, right? It is that favorite <laughs> Christmas movie. Stop it. Didn't this movie? Wait, no, I thought didn't this movie take place during Christmas too? No, it was in China at some random. Wait, time you think of the they year. don't have Christmas in China? Chinese New Year. I don't know when their Christmas <laughs> is, but uh... wait. That's completely different. I don't know everything. Jesus. Um, uh, So then we want to talk about the Chinese people. So down on the bottom of the building, they have like a gathering of reporters and and spectators and everything who are watching the news on like a big projector screen of what's happening and cheering it on like (laughs) like it's a movie. Exactly. Like they're also watching the goddamn movie. So like just the emotion in this movie just does not exist. To, and it does not match the situation that that's going on. The thing is, there are movies that, like, there are bad movies that you shut them off before, like, even while you're, I do this with Netflix all the time, is, like, you w- start watching a movie on Netflix, and then you just shut it off because it's so bad. Yeah. This is one of the movies that it's bad, but it's literally, like, driving by a car accident. Hard to shut off. You, you know, there's, um, there was a movie I saw a couple months ago about dogs, All Dogs Life or something. A dog's life? Something like that. It was awful. Absolutely awful. But not a good awful. Movie, uh... uh, I forget. There's another movie that I just saw that same way. Um, You know, a good type of bad. That makes sense. I don't know what kind of bad this was, but I I mean... I'm just trying to think logically, and I know for a, for a film you're supposed to suspend your belief and get engrossed in the story and everything. Yeah. But I just couldn't do it because you have half of the tallest skyscraper in in the world is on fire at risk of collapsing, and you have like the police just staring at it and like gatherings of people and reporters. Like you need to clear the area. If that shit falls down, so many people are going to die. Yeah. Uh, so you said about immersing yourself in the the reality of the movie. Uh, this I love my father, but that's the one thing that he does is if you are sitting down with him and about to watch a movie, you better hope that it does not take place in New York or anywhere he knows. Because the minute it comes on, okay, Spider-Man 2. One of the scenes in Spider-Man 2 is he's stopping a train on the elevated train tracks. Yeah. He's stopping the train. My dad would be like, wait a second. Ele- and th- so this is like in the living room. Wait a second. And he's yelling at the TV. Elevated train track? Where? Where is the elevated train track? In the Bronx. 
<laughs> but from where it was, it was in Midtown. He's like, there's no elevated train in Midtown. What is oh, And he's like, oh, what, what, what is this? I do, honestly, My I do that My dad does that too. all the time. I do it too. When you're watching like The Dark Knight, um, and it's supposed to be Gotham City, which is a loose recreation of like New York. But half of it's shot in Chicago. Part of it is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. So, like, they're in, they're in the scene with the football game. And I'm like, well, that's Heinz Field. That's in Pittsburgh. And then the next scene is an overhead shot of Manhattan, Jersey City. And I'm like, well, that's not the same place. <laughs> another, uh, one, <laughs> another one where you did this is the mo- a movie you probably never saw. It was the Denzel Washington called Taking of Pelham 123. I saw that movie. It was a remake. Yeah, it wasn't John Travolta in that, too. He was. Yeah. Remake of one from the 70s or 80s with Walter Matthau. And literally that movie, my dad's like, he's like, he's just, he's walking up the train. He's like, uh, the Pelham, uh, the Pelham Parkway, uh, exit, uh, train stop is off the R, not the L or whatever, like whatever. <laughs> of course. So that's, that's how I was when in the Bourne ultimatum. Okay. Like when he, when he's having a, when Jason Bourne, Matt Damon's having a car chase in Manhattan. I'm like, you can't have a car chase in Manhattan. There's so many lights. There's so much traffic. How the, how he was not murdered by a cab driver yet, I don't know. Like, Can we talk about car uh, car chases for please a second? Please do. Please do, Robert. I have like a – I have a wor- – I worry about a lot of things. Yes. I worry about car chases because, I mean, I've seen them so much in movies. Yeah. And they're always in Manhattan. Is like when I'm driving through Manhattan, I'm like, oh, just lolly-yelling through my green light. I'm like, what if just a – like what if I'm one of those people that gets hit by, you know, in a in, you know, in a car race uh, in a car. Uh, thing. Just know that it is impossible to have a car chase in Manhattan, and uh, every movie that tries to do it is lying to you. Listen, I think about it every day. You could even have a car chase in Philadelphia at 11 p.m. You know, downtown and Walnut Street or something, but like anywhere in Manhattan, it's just not happening. It's just traffic, people walking. Yeah. Yeah, twenty five mile an hour, mile an hour uh, things and stuff. Now we're gonna have congestion pricing. Could congestion you, could you pricing. imagine with the cost of a car chase during congestion pricing? <laughs> Just give them some Mucinex. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get rid of that congestion pricing. <laughs> you need speaking some of Mucinex. Mucinex. Yeah, you're All in right. your pajama pants covered with. Uh, <laughs> it's a blue sky blue maybe. Ah, that's nah. a preview pre- <laughs> for later for our guest. But uh, you got some paper planes on your pants. I got high like paper and I'm fly like something. Yeah, great, All right. great song. So let's uh, let's talk about what we're leading up to here. Yeah, we've got a guest tonight. Uh, we were supposed to have two. Now we have one. Um, our other guest is under the weather. Um, got Meg Linehan coming on. She is uh, writes for The Athletic. Uh, for women's national team and yep. NWSL, yep. so we're going to talk about all that stuff. Yep, yeah. So it's, it should be informative. Yeah, we got her coming up in a couple minutes. I mean, yeah. is there anything else you want to cover before we get there? Because I, I'm in the mood no. to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I said my my due diligence about uh, car uh, things. Um, you know, car, car things, car chases, car chases. Um, Do you have a favorite car chase? No, I always say the one from Bullet, but um, um, actually, maybe you can answer a question for me. Sure. Why Why are there still policemen on horses? Um, you mean like in terms of New York? Yeah, it's so weird. So they can go in the park, maybe? Why don't they just get on bicycles? Like, why make, why put horses through that? 
possible torture. I mean, I guess it's better than being raced. Well, riding a horse in any fashion is torture. I mean, it's a it's a wild animal that you're putting shoes on and and you're blindfolding them. Yeah, they and, get they get the shoe nailed in their thing. They're yeah. they're cleat or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, now we're gonna have Peter sending us letters. But so here, but oh, let me just finish my thought here. Is go ahead. When you have a racehorse, yeah. and the horse breaks its leg. Yeah, they kill him. Unfortunately, they euthanize it. Do you think the NYPD does that? Those damn you-know-whats? What's a damn you-know-whats? I don't know. What are all the people that listen to us? Pigs. They call them pigs, right? A-C-O-P? All cops are pigs? A-C-A-B? All cops are bastards? Is that what it is? That's what it is. So I, don't, I don't necessarily do you prescribe. Think, I think like 73% of cops are pigs. Do you think, um, <laughs> no, you know, do you think it's like when, the, when they're riding in Central Park and if... A sh- horse breaks its leg what do you think they do they pr- probably put him down i mean i hope not probably i mean i think police horses <coughs> have it a lot better here than they do in england specifically newcastle what do you mean oh, they get punched by soccer fans <laughs> over there <laughs> um yeah that was a very famous police horse punching uh, really in newcastle yeah wow. um i don't know i mean the police horses in uh in Canada, the Mounties, of course, or the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, although they are more like a modern SWAT team nowadays. Moderns, so they come in on foxes instead of horses. No, I mean when you see them, they're all in their like their tactical gear. Says RCMP, and they're not really mounted anymore. But um, unless you're like in Canadian bacon, um, oh man, rest like, in peace, go, John Candy. Go back from whence you came. <laughs> rest in peace, John Candy. John, that was a great. I actually watched that movie for the first time a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's so good! It's just amazing how they find like the control room for all of Canada, the electricity in <laughs> yeah. all of Canada, and it's like an old couple that's just <laughs> hanging out there. <laughs> that movie's good, and um, uh, Strange Brew, another good like Canadian. Strange Brew. So when it gets to the point where they're at the brewery and there's and they're trapped with the robots that are playing yeah. hockey, yeah. I'm like, what? In the hell is going on? <coughs> Drugs. <laughs> Drugs. Um, who was that? Uh, that Rick was Moranis? Rick Moranis and, and who else? I don't know. But I hate, I hate that he retired. Yeah, he did. But maybe he did for his own health. Something like that. I don't know. But Yeah, John Candy and Chris Farley. I miss a lot. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. Uh, Chris Farley was, was one of my favorites on SNL growing up. If, if Chris Farley was still alive... Adam Sandler probably would have had more, better, more better, uh, better movies than he's had. Yeah, because he had signed that deal with Netflix, and all these movies that he's coming out with are, are terrible. Yeah, they're not great. Like, is Kevin James a thing? If although, I mean, I have to be honest with you, comedy movies as a whole kind of seems like it's a lost art nowadays. Like, remember simple comedy movies from the '90s, Dumb and Dumber. Ace mm. Ventura. Even Slapstick. That's why. Yeah, but like none of that stuff had CGI or like special effects and all that stuff. And and like those those movies don't exist anymore. I mean, they'd be extremely cheap to make. I, I don't know what's happening to the comedy movie industry. Yeah. But I don't know. So speaking of comedy movies, let's um, put a wrap on this. <laughs> that all mo- that's all movies in general. That's that old that old favorite movie. Let's put a wrap on this. Yeah, let's go have the uh, the wrap party. Now we're gonna yep. we're gonna turn it over to our guest this week, 
please enjoy, and um, yes, we'll see you next week. Maybe I don't know. Probably. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me one second. Hello. Joining us on the line, we have Meg Linehan of the Athletic. How are you this evening? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. You're you're newly with the Athletic. Is that right? Yes, I am just about to wrap up week two. Oh, wow. So how do you find it so far? It's really great. Uh, I don't have a commute anymore. It's all work from home and some travel. I've got some big travel coming up this summer, actually. But it's it's great. I just have kind of been handed the keys to the car when it comes to the U.S. national team, to the NWSL, to women's soccer in general. So it's just been a lot of writing, which I haven't done for, for a while in terms of long-form writing. So... Yeah, two weeks in, and definitely no complaints so far. Now, uh, from what I was trying to see, now are you the sole writer for the for the national women's team? Yes, yes. And, As of right now, um, well, there actually so there's also Steph Young, uh, who had previously been freelancing for them. She'll be around as well a bit to help fill out some coverage. Uh, she's also uh, writing at other places, including SB Nation. They just started their own women's soccer site which she is now manager of, but she will be floating in and out of the athletic. We've been friends for a number of years now. So I'm definitely looking forward to actually like getting to write with her, which has never really happened. Um, So I'm hoping that we can cook up some fun projects for the two of us. Yeah, this is, it's just like, it's awesome because uh, you know, really the women's national team has really been ran, you know, as correctly, let's say, Versus the men's national team. And it's just great that <laughs> with all of their on-field success and, um, you know, with other things still needing, like, you know, all that pay stuff and off-field um, sponsorships that are, like, not equal at all and, and all that good stuff. Um, it's, it's it's great to see. And this is definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say ground floor because I feel that's not uh, appropriate. I would say a step above ground floor that uh yeah. you know, it's kind of awesome that you're just kind of kicking off you know yeah i mean i've been saying this for a couple of weeks now but my job doesn't really exist anywhere else athletic has made a huge buy-in to say we believe in this coverage it's obviously a world cup year the timing is right right there's no ignoring that 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 2019 is the right time to finally add this coverage but no one else has stepped up to this level at, at any real place that other websites rely on freelancers. They, you know, they might do a piece here or there on the U.S. national team, but no one is consistently saying we've got a full-time person to cover the U.S. national team, the NWSL. Could it be more? Of course. It's obviously, like I, I would hope that I get to say, like, okay, here's level one of the coverage. If we add one person, here's level two. If we say, okay, we've got someone in every single market for NWSL, here's what we can achieve with that. But I think actually having a baseline, Athletic is very into metrics. I I can say so far the metrics have been good, right? Like (laughs) it's already like, hey, we're proving that this coverage, if you actually invest in it and you get someone who knows the the sport and knows the people behind it and knows the athletes, it's going to do well for you. But I think you also have to say like, we're only going to try it with one person. I get that investment, but they've made a big first step. And no one else has ever taken that step before. Yeah, it's so true. And, uh, you know, you know, if we attest it to on-field success, but so Carly Lloyd, right? So I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. huge Rutgers fan. Um, my family went to okay. Rutgers. So before, you know, we'll call her, you know, her 
rise to fame, you know, a couple of years ago in the in the World Cup. Um, she had a falling out, let's call it, between. <laughs> There's some horn in the background. Uh, she had like a small falling out between the university and herself, and immediately from that time, you know, I guess you could say it was like a mutual type of thing. But um, you know, she's really become like the face of you know what um, someone you know that that stays in college or you know that represents their state or represents their college in a national mm-hmm. stage. Um, and so that, like, for me, that was really like, you know, to my own fault, my first interest in, you know, women's, you know, professional sports. Um, so I guess it's a good thing though, you know, if someone that I look up, I mean, I can't be an athlete that she is. I mean, she's a lot better at soccer <laughs> than I ever could be, but, um, you know, so whatever that was, it was, you know, now four years ago, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and now she's, you know, being an active, uh, voice for them and, and everything. So. It's, yeah, uh, everybody has great. an everybody has an entry point. I mean, mine was really the 1999 World Cup, which for a huge generation of people, that was of the course. entry point. And yeah. and that's how this sport works: is you don't really get NWSL without having the national team. Just from a, you know, it, it's a bigger picture of the sport. Of these two things are interconnected and depend on each other because you don't get a good national team without a good domestic league. You don't get a good domestic league without having that good national team. So there is that sort of circle of life, right? Yeah. And so having that breakout performance from Carly Lloyd in 2015, that brought so many people to the sport. I mean, I remember I wrote an article about Carly Lloyd that got published to Vice Sports right before the final. Like, we had two writers for the World Cup in 2015 at Vice Sports. Someone wrote about Megan Rapino. I was like, I'm going to write about Carly. I think she shows up in big games. Uh, she's just like the funniest personality to me. Like she's just so Jersey. Like I just want to write about Carly Lloyd, the person, the human and what that translates to on the field. And then obviously we, we know what she did in that world cup final. And it's really funny because even before I had ever talked to my wife ever, she actually had read that article because she had watched the world cup final with no context and was like, Spotted Carly Lloyd, and she's like, she looks like she's from Jersey. I'm going to Google her. And the thing that she found was my article. So there's always that entry point. Yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. (laughs) I told Carly that, actually, and she's like, that's very strange, but I like it. (laughs) That's fate. Um, That was just, that was fate. That was for you and your wife. That's awesome. (laughs) I know. Um, But everybody has that entry point, and and having big-time performances, having wins like that is only going to do good things for not only the national team, but for NWSL, and that's, that's what everybody has always looked at is how do you translate the bumps that you get from a World Cup into A, consistent coverage, B, consistent attendance, and C, bigger and better for the domestic league. And that's, you know, we're in a World Cup year right now. Athletic, for me personally, has said, okay, we're going to hire you full time to cover the national team, to cover the league. So it's that's how we get progress is we get the big time summer tournaments we get people to tune in and then we actually build off of that and this is a great opportunity in in many ways now you mentioned um how do you get the fans that watch the world cup to continue to watch Mm -hmm. these these professionals now the men are sort of dealing with the same thing i mean uh mls is definitely an underappreciated league uh the main media channels in the area only cover the Red Bulls when they send like free pastries and jerseys and stuff. And <laughs> it's, it's completely reluctant. So, and, and that's the thing. So you wonder why don't people watch MLS when people, so many people watch the world cup and right. maybe it's partially because the men's national team is, is I want to say they're terrible, uh, but 
they have a lot more competition than right than yeah the women it's a different do. yeah it's but, a different game so it's got to help with the women then that the people that that tune into the women's world cup watch this team and they are routinely competitive and and so mm-hmm. much fun to watch with a lot of great characters on the team and um so this is another opportunity this summer for the women to put on a show and they're definitely a contender to win and then they want those fans to then watch the domestic league and and that's where you come in so <clears throat> you've been given uh basically an audience which is the athletic subscribers so they now mm-hmm. are exposed right. to your yeah they they're now exposed to your writing just with their subscription so they don't have to you know pay extra for it or whatever it's there for them to consume right. and and I think that the athletic is counting on that for people to, you know, watch the games this summer and then look for where they can read about it. And there you will yes. be. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that the athletic overall is going to support the coverage. And I think they've already shown some really great signs. I mean, the the editor of the Seattle site has shared both end of the cell stories, the athletic Chicago. I just wrote a story about the new kits from the red stars. They shared that on social. So, I think that there are plenty of opportunities to share it across the entire network. Obviously the audience is already built in. Obviously they are also hoping that I provide a subscriber bump because if you have me in France for a month providing content from France on the scenes, like I I think that that is a big sell um, for people, mostly because the number of people who actually go over to cover the U S national team is fairly limited. Right. Most places don't have the budget to send someone over for every game of the group stage, fall into the round of 16, into the quarters, into the semi, into the final. So you might get someone that gets flown over for the final, but hasn't been there since the very start of the tournament and hasn't also had relationships with these players through the NWSL and through previous coverage. So I'd like to think that I've got a little bit of a leg up on people, but, you know, they're they're making a an assessment that that's going to add value to not only their subscribers, but it's going to pull in more people. And we've seen the kinds of numbers that if U S national team makes a final, what that can do on television. And from a, from a broadcast point of view, we've seen really great reinforcement from the Fox uh, commentary team, especially Ali Wagner and uh, JP Della camera. They know the NWSL Ali Wagner was the color commentator for all of the NWSL games of the week. So they're reinforcing. Okay. Lindsey Hran, 2018 NWSL MVP for Portland Thorns FC. So we're starting to finally get that ecosystem that's all clicking together. So that way, U.S. national team, NWSL coverage, not just at the, at the athletic, but on the broadcast world, in the larger world, is all starting to actually like work as it does on the men's side. Yeah, and, and you're going to have an unprecedented level of access to this team where you know, you're going to be able to talk to people behind the scenes and, and you know, the, the writing that is found on the athletic is unparalleled compared to, you know, regular media where you have a certain amount right. of space in a newspaper or yeah. or something. So uh, I am definitely looking forward to reading what, what you come up with. Um, now you're, we're talking about the world cup. So you're going to be over there now. They, the U S is in a group of Thailand, Chile and, and Sweden. So mm-hmm who do you think is going to pose the biggest threat in, in the groups? Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be Sweden for U S uh, obviously 2016 Olympics, yeah. not end the way that the U S national team wanted them to um, Thailand and Chile, you know, both obviously programs that have made the world cup and 
and deserve to be there, but are not in the same level as the U.S. national team. And that's just the statement of fact. Um, so for them, I think the challenge of the group stage is don't play down those first two games, get the rhythm going, and then be ready for Sweden. So you might actually see squad rotation earlier in the group stage because usually what happens is you get your first two games set and then the third game is kind of like you might be able to hand it away, but they're they're not going to want to lose or drop a result to Sweden simply because of 2016, I think. So I think 20, the, the game against Sweden is really going to be the key game of that group stage for the United States. Now, in your opinion, um, who that is not a household name already on, on the national team is going to make a name for themselves in this tournament for, for the U.S.? Ooh, I mean, arguably, I don't know what Lindsay Horan's status is when it comes to household names. She's not Alex Morgan, let's put it that way. She was the 2018 NWSL MVP. But I think that the way that this midfield works right now, right, they're playing this triangle with Julia Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Roosevelt. We've had some health issues uh, across the U.S. midfield. Lindsay Horan was out earlier this season. Uh, Roosevelt is injured now. But I do think that if the midfield works, Lindsay Horan is going to be, I think that she's got a summer to really make a name for herself. Now, coming back from the World Cup, when the new fans, and most fans are going to focus their attention on the NWSL, we have to talk about Sky Blue FC. And right. recently, um, you know, we had an episode here with some Sky Blue supporters and mm-hmm. the, the big message they wanted to get across was that they're not going to start trusting this team until Tony Novo leaves. And yeah, it finally happened. So yeah. what do you see happening in, in the short term that, that results that can be seen soon? Uh, do you think this club is going to start turning it around to where the fans are going to trust them enough to get back into the stadium? Yes. I mean, I think that we've already seen with Tony Novo leaving the team, the the version of how he left is still up in the air, but he's now gone. Elise LeHue has come in as interim GM. Uh, I've known her for a while. She was GM over in the Red Stars. Uh, She's been around the game for a long time. She's got the right resume. She's a good administrator. She's been a GM in this game before. Very promising promotion for her, even if it is in an interim capacity right now. I think that they would be smart to lock her down on a more permanent basis. So step one has already happened. It was late in the game. It should have happened before April, uh, but it has happened. So I do think that Sky Blue supporters are saying, okay, level one has been met. And now we've got to see what the next steps on the plan are. And that's always been kind of the failing for Sky Blue is that they've never said, you know, they they send these nice letters of, like, we promise things are improving. They've sent some nice photos of um, the new facilities for players, the new apartments, all that kind of stuff. So things are happening, but there's never been that level of communication that actually is transparent at a level to fully understand what is in the works. And, like, what actually, you know, we know what the end goal is, which is actually having a team that performs well on the field, has the correct facilities off the field, has the investment level, you know, any number of things. But how do you say, okay, we're, we're here where we've got questionable toilets for the players, and how do we get to there? And do we have a plan? Do we have steps? Can we communicate those steps effectively to people 
without betraying, you know, I, I get the protectiveness of we promise we're working and we promise things are happening and we're going to have improvements to show. But at some point you also have to trust that you're going to make it easier for yourself if, if you are transparent about the process and the struggle and the needs that go into actually making those improvements happen. So I think we're going to see not like a terrible attendance on Saturday. I don't think the weather is going to help sky blue just because yeah. we're expecting some really bad rain yeah, for like early the in the day. Seven days we turn into Seattle. Yes. Yes. So I don't think that's going to help them, but I do think that, you know, the, the result against Washington spirit in week one was not great, but I also don't think that they have Orlando pride level questions about themselves because Orlando pride dropped uh, a 0-2 loss against Portland and then just lost 5 nothing against North Carolina Courage. They have not hit that level yet. Yeah, so, so they're not the worst team in the league already. So they're at number eight on the standings right now. So I, I think people get that it's going to take some time, that, that Tony Novo um, leaving the team came late. And, we're, you know, you've got to give them some time to actually let Elise Lahue do a job behind the scenes, but also I think that people are not necessarily going to give them a, a long runway when it comes to this. Like they're going to want some answers and I'll be very, I'll actually be at the game on Saturday. Um, I'm planning a sky blue story to, nice. to get a sense of where the team is. Um, I'm really hoping that Tammy Murphy, who is apparently more involved yeah. with the team behind the scenes is there. Like I'd really like to check in with her because we don't know what she's doing yet. Um, if Phil Murphy is there, you know, what, what is the sense of ownership of, uh, Elise LeHue now as interim GM? Like, where are we in the plan and what can we expect from this team from a front office standpoint? So that's, that's my intention this weekend. Yeah, I will, uh, I will bet and maybe win a lot of money that, uh, the governor would, uh, 100% be there, especially if it's, yeah. uh, will be there you for a so? positive story, positive okay. press. Yeah, uh, but regardless, yeah. it was great to see, just a side note before I say what I really want to say, it was great to see the week that Tony Novo had where, you know, I think that I, the story I believe that he was literally fired, there was no reason, you know, him resigning, nothing like that, and um, and then like they announced that 50 Bed Bath & Beyond stores were closing, so I think yeah. he had a, a terrible yeah. week and I'm so happy about that. Um, Alright, Petty, Petty Rob left Happy for his misery, not for the, <laughs> yes. not for the people that work at those stores. He, they will, I'll help them find jobs. <laughs> okay, right now. you do that. Um, I, what I did want to say is, um, do you think, and or maybe this was reported that did the league step in with the with the appointing of the interim GM, or did the best of your ability was this all on you know whether it's Tammy Murphy or who, who or whoever? Uh, I don't think the league had any role in that whatsoever. It was after I had left, so I previously okay. worked for the league. Um, yep. I don't think the league would have had any role in that whatsoever. Elise Lahue was actually already working for the team um, okay. in a different role. So I think they just said, we already have the candidate right here, and she's got the experience, and we'll, we'll bring her up a level. So uh, I think they were already sitting on that talent. Yeah. <laughs> and – um, it was probably a very easy decision to say, "Hey, can you please step in?" So, yeah, because I saw that with you know the Mets did that like probably six seven years ago when they brought in uh, 
uh, Sandy something. Sandy Alderson. Sandy Alderson. Like the like the Major League Baseball stepped in because they identified the Mets as obviously like a major part of the MLB entity or whatever. But um, yes, yeah, so that's why they came to my mind. But uh, mm-hmm. so we so Andrew and I uh, last year we also took an interest in um, the professional women's hockey league. And right. one one of the greatest things about that, and still to that, is the fact you can watch those games, and especially the uh, the cup games on Twitter. Um, would that be something you'd want to see as far as the NWSL get there as well? Yeah, so that's a fun question. I actually wrote about this a little bit for The Athletic already. So obviously, the, the streaming deals for the two leagues are very different. So NWHL uses Twitter as their yeah. big game of the week platform. Yep. NWSL currently has a deal with it's Verizon slash Oath, whatever they're going by at this point. So oh. right at the moment, the games are on Yahoo Sports. So what happened is when uh, NWSL and A&E formed their partnership, uh, NWSL Media was formed, which was the entity that I work for. Mm-hmm. So NWSL Media went out and sold the streaming rights for all of the digital streams that weren't on Lifetime at that point to Verizon slash Oath. So originally they started on this <coughs> platform called Go 90, which Verizon finally yeah. put out of its misery. And now the the final year of that deal is in place through this season. So they have been moved to Yahoo Sports, which is, uh, you know, based on my understanding of it, far more competent. There were definitely some week one hiccups, but for the most part, I think the streaming experience is going to be a lot less uh, awful than Go 90 was. Um <laughs> And then the question mark is, okay, when this deal expires at the end of the season, what happens next? So I don't think for uh, Twitter is really out of the question, but the, que- the the big thing about this Verizon deal is that NWSL and uh, Jonathan Tannenwald reported on this a lot. The money involved in that deal was a significant factor. So they actually set the value for streaming rights for the league. And I don't think that Twitter is going to match that necessarily. So the question is, okay, we got this much money for the streaming rights three years ago, and obviously the league is now also looking for a broadcast partner. So can you package that for an overall broadcast and streaming deal? I just think the league is probably going to want to get money out of every single game. Of course. Rather than saying, okay, we're going back to YouTube, which is where the league started, or we're going to Twitter, which I don't quite know what the money deal is there. I don't know if Twitter is going to actively want to pay for NWSL games. So I think the bigger possibility and I think the bigger popular demand for NWSL, ignoring the one for the calls to go back to YouTube, which I just don't think (laughs) is going to happen at this point. I mean, it's a great in theory. Like It it depends on what you're prioritizing. Are you prioritizing access or are you – are you trying to make money? You could put and, that on the TV. Don't need to cut you off. You could put that on the TV so much easier than anything else, though. That's the yeah, only positive. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I, I definitely, like, I get both sides. Yeah. And the, the conversation that I was having with uh, my friend Kim McCauley on Twitter was, you know, MLS got so much time to actually say, like, we want access to the front and center. We want to build that fan base. And we will make it easy for games to watch. And we might not get as much money. But that's, like, we can afford to lose money. And women's sports don't get that same privilege. So if yeah. if we were operating under the same conditions MLS did, games would still be on YouTube for the next 15 years. <laughs> but instead, there's this immediate, okay, we're trying to make money right off the bat because we've got to prove this is a business and, you know, any number of things. So 
I think the biggest possibility, if it's not going to be on YouTube and it's not going to be, you know, we're not going to say like access is number one, the ESPN plus, because I think that's the platform that makes the most sense because most people are already buying in that are soccer fans because of MLS USL. So why would you not try to aim for a platform that's already got that soccer market and try to like lump yourself in with that overall audience? Well, ESPN plus just got the U S open cup for, yeah. Men's, men's yeah. soccer. And I doubt that was a decision based on how many people they think are going to watch it. So mm-hmm. they're definitely uh, willing to take a chance on, you know, content that's not ratings driven. So that would be that would be a great deal because that's just like you're writing with The Athletic. They have a built in audience that shows, right. you know, the, the platform shows so many things. So that would be a great addition. Now, I want to ask you about <clears throat> so you're going to France for nearly a month. Um, mm-hmm. And you're obviously going there to work, but you're definitely going to have downtime. What are some things that you're looking to do? Um, your downtime in France, thing, th- things you're looking to discover or anything interesting like that? Yeah. The, so the fun part is I don't actually drink wine. So uh, France on that front is just a complete lost cause for me. Uh, I'm much <laughs> more a beer person. So I'm yeah. like, I guess I like, you know, there are definitely some bar, pla- uh, some beer places in France I can find. Um, but for the most part, I'm going to be like, yeah, if you, all you guys want to go to like a winery, I'm not. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> what about for the cheese? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cheese. Well, cheese uh, at the wineries, that's, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, that's true. Like, I'll be like, you guys drink. I can be the designated driver. Slash, I'm never going to drive in France. I will yeah. be the designated. <laughs> get uh, everyone home on public yeah. transportation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I will just sit here and stuff myself with cheese. Sounds like, like a great plan. Also bread. I'm a very big bread fan. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's gotta I'm be just nice. really hoping <laughs> I can walk enough to offset the amount of bread that I plan <laughs> to eat and the amount of cheese I plan to eat. So I'm, I'm hopeful that I get my steps in. I'll just do the stadium like three times <laughs> each game maybe. And then that will, that will, you know, leave me some room. Now, my last question for you before we let you go, and when you listen to the rest of the podcast, you'll understand why I'm asking this. Have, <laughs> okay. have, you, had, have you had the pleasure of seeing the movie uh, Skyscraper? Ooh, I have not, although I, honest, like, that was set in New York City, right? No, no, no. Or is this the rock one? This yeah, the it's rock the rock one. one. I think it's in Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I have not, somehow. Although I am a large fan of the Fast and Furious series, which he does eventually make his way into. But I, I did not actually think I watched like two minutes of it on an airplane. And then I was like, this is too stressful for me right now. I need to take a nap. <laughs> but you bring, up, you bring up a very important issue, Meg, is that so he came into the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. They started yeah. stealing radios out of a tractor trailer. And it morphed to them fighting terrorism. <laughs> like, you ever think, like, it's, it's incredible. It, it, they almost that acted is... like Paul Walker was writing those movies, and then he left <laughs> unexpectedly, and they had no idea what to do. The, just the escalation of, I mean, in the last, the, the scene with the submarine, it's just, yes. the, just, <laughs> if you can dream it, you can be it in Fast yes. and Furious. I mean, Honestly, I think they have saved the world at least four separate times now, question mark. So, so we could use and now, now, you know, now they have the the Hobbs and Shaw. But like, yep, just yep. the amount <laughs> that they were like, you know what? We, we've got to go bigger than just cars. And we really, 
just need to, I mean, eventually they have to set one in space because I just don't know where else they're going to go with the series. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't know how much more they, but also, you know, they find new heights for every movie. So they need an apoca- uh, apocalyptic one. That will be the forever one. But these they make so much money though, so it's so hard. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard for them not to make them. Alright, well Yes. And I'm I love the found family part of Fast and Furious movies as well. So it's just very that's 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 my wheelhouse for for these <laughs> movies. Like I, I enjoy the special effects, but also I'm just like, Yeah, you, you live your life one quarter mile of a time, but you do it together. Never detail a car with the covers a lot of it. <laughs> Well, well, look, we really enjoyed having you on, and we're going to want to have you back. So your homework is you need to watch Skyscraper so we can talk, okay, about, it. All right. talk about it next I'll time. I'll take some notes. I'll all take right. some notes. Thanks so much for coming on to talk Thank to you. us. All right. Thank you for having me.